The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Now here's David Tuttle and Astro's master of banter, Blummer. All right, here we are. Another episode of the Bleacher Blums podcast. We're missing a person today, but uh, hence the name Bleacher Blums, plural, and uh, Blummer. But Blummer is turning 50 this week. So, um, you know, I totally get it. When you're old, you got to take more days off. Who, who would have thought we had to load manage Jeffrey Blum? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Having already turned 50, uh, we know that uh, Blum is hopefully enjoying his 50th birthday. And, um, you know, I guess for me, it's it's actually the truest form of getting into adulthood you really feel like you've made it uh, when you get to 50. So hopefully they, uh, there's still some uphill climb. And then uh, I think maybe at 60, we, uh, we'll turn, the, turn our eyes downward. I don't know. I just don't know how, how it feels. But I do know what it, it's like to be 50. And it's certainly a big milestone. And we want to wish Blum the happiest of 50th birthdays. Or any birthday. I guess every year uh, above ground is good. So anyway, happy birthday to my co-host, Jeff Blum. Um, again, I'm David Tuttle, half of the Bleacher Blums podcast, and you can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Real David Tuttle. Blummer is, of course, at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget the Bleacher Blums website, bleacherblums.com. And then there's some YouTube shorts if you like seeing our ugly mugs. Our lovely producer is hanging out with me today, Mark Ramos. And he is, of course, the uh, the man behind Ram shirts as well. So if you guys need any swag, whether it be for our podcast, Bleacher Blums, you can always go to uh, Ram shirts or direct message him. I think, at, is it at Ram Shirts on Instagram as well? Yeah, at Ram Shirts yeah, on Instagram and Twitter. You guys know the drill. I myself, like I said, have uh, played professional baseball for nine years. Uh, Blum always throws out the Team USA, Santa Clara, all that stuff. And then Blummer, of course, 14-year major leaguer. We've been doing the podcast for about three years. And we welcome you in. This will be probably a short episode today as it's just me. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed the the last few episodes um, last one, we just riffed on a bunch of things, and I think today we'll riff a little bit um, and probably take some listener questions, which we haven't done in quite a while. Uh, the big news yesterday in sports was Aaron Rodgers was finally traded out of Green Bay to the New York Jets. That's really interesting. I know we talk about baseball mostly on this podcast, but Aaron Rodgers uh, seemed to have wear out his welcome in Green Bay for quite a while. <laughs> Every year, it was kind of like, is he going or is he going to stay and holding them hostage and similar to Kobe's last contract with the Lakers, it seemed to hamstring the payroll. So I don't know, the curse of the New York Jets, 
and Aaron Rodgers might be a marriage made in heaven. I do know the Super Bowl odds for the Jets went significantly higher. They were like 200 to one, and now they're somewhere down in the, I don't know, like 20 to one to win the Super Bowl. So um, that, that you know, is an improvement, but I, I do think that that's, that was a relationship that wore out its welcome there. Um, as far as baseball, Mark had sent me like the power rankings and then the projected, um, I guess the projected records for MLB. And I think Blum would agree with this. Uh, we'll have to ask him after his round of golf and, uh, you know, his days off here in his old age. But it's just too early. I mean, we do have the rule changes, but it's kind of hilarious. I think baseball is weird in the in the way that we try to compare it to the other sports like football it's only 17 games now i wanted to say 16 games it's only 16 games but every week it's like ooh who dropped who like increase like baseball doesn't work that way the i think the Braves are a good example the Astros just swept the Braves the Braves won 8 in a row and then they lost 5 in a row it's like what does that mean i mean come on i don't know so it's still too early in the baseball season, in my estimation, to kind of put a power ranking together. Uh, payroll is still a good indicator. Uh, payroll and consistency are still good indicators of the best teams. So I'm still looking at the Dodgers in the National League West. I'm still looking at the Astros as a formidable uh, team. Obviously, Tampa Bay. They've been in the World Series and the playoffs last three or four years in the American League East, and I think it's funny that we over. I seem to overlook them every year, but starting out the year the way they have, um, they're obviously in the mix, and then you have your Yankees and your usual suspects. So uh, a little early for me to take those projected rankings and believe in them. I will say the Giants projected was like 62 and 100, and I think that's probably spot on with the way they've been going. Of course, they've turned the corner now too, so they've won three out of four. So anyway, it's too early in the baseball season to figure that all out. Why don't we open it up to questions and I can... Yeah, no problem. Go. I mean, you don't you don't believe the Rays are going to go 140 and 22? <laughs> <laughs> what yep. about the A's at 29 and 133? Do you believe that one? So I don't believe either of those, and that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is what I need, a little banter. I didn't actually have the uh, the graphic in front of me. But yeah, I, I just think, again, baseball doesn't work like that, right? I mean, if the Braves the Braves won eight in a row, and, the and, you know, you could say they're never going to lose again, and then they just lost four in a row and got swept by the Astros. It's it just, baseball is so funny because... At the end of the year, you have like, yeah, we won two out of three. We lost two out of three. We won two out of three. But there are teams that throw together. Last year, the Reds, remember? The Reds were like three and 27 or three and 30 or something. And, you know, they finished with a respectable, uh, you know, a respectable record. So, yeah, I, I do think, um, I don't think, what was the raise you said? They were projected to win 122. <laughs> 140 and 22. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, that, you know what that is? That graphic, that was just a waste of it. They basically just took their first 30 days and just projected it out, right? I mean, that's all they did. That's terrible. Yeah. No, the Rays are not going 140 and 22. And then who was the, the bottom feeder? Athletics, 29 and 133. You know what? That would be an interesting wager. Will the A's win more than 30 games this year? Yeah. I mean, they are a Major League Baseball team. This actually, to me, begs the question or begs the argument of could a college team beat a pro team? You know, they always do that in the NFL. Alabama, they got four first rounders. They could play. They would not beat the worst NFL team. I would say the same here. The A's are going to win more than 29 games. They have Major League pitchers, Major League hitters. Um, you know, they've got a good enough team to scrap and fight and claw. I do think... And that was, I guess, some other big news during the week is that the Oakland A's have now 
actually made moves to finally leave Oakland like everybody else has, the Golden State Warriors, the Raiders, et cetera, et cetera. And it's unfortunate, but um, I was not happy with Rob Manfred's comments saying that it was the A's fans that were, I mean, the A's fans have been getting gypped and then it's Las Vegas, or that the A's fans, Las Vegas is a better spot for them. The A's fans are some of the most passionate, rabid fans in baseball and football. I mean, I've seen Raiders fans for years, but the A's are just, they've always kind of been one-off, a little strange, but they have great fans. It's just they have not put um, a facility in place. I mean, it's really hard to blame the facility, but if you want to compare that to Miami, Somebody was saying, well, Miami's busy. They got, you know, they got so much stuff to do. It's like, hey, for the World Baseball Classic, they got tons of fans. So you do have to put a good product in place um, and you have to have some real estate knowledge. They've said that about real estate for years, location, location, location. Um, and then now our, our, our choices are so many that the, um, you mentioned Truist Park, which you got to visit. Our choices are so many that the experience has to be worth your dollar, right? Everybody's charging kind of top dollar. And I do think that the A's ownership and the fact that they keep kind of fire sailing their players every you know three years um, does create an environment where the fans don't want to come out. And if you like baseball, I mean, I, I, there's probably three to four thousand fans going to Oakland every night, and those are the diehard fans. But you do have to put a good product on the field, and I do think it's not fair for the ownership to put a shitty product on the field and then expect fans to go out and expect them to stay in Oakland. So it's almost like you know a self fulfilling prophecy. You put a crummy product together and then blame it on the fans and the you know the 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 market and everything else. We got to get out of here because nobody's coming to the game. It's like yeah, well you put a crummy product out there, so. I mean that was that it's unfair to blame the actual location and the and and the um I don't know the fans for for what's happening. So and and Golden State's a great example. Golden State was kind of the lovable loser for every uh forever in the NBA and once they started winning even in Oakland at the I don't know if you've been out there but Oakland Mm-mm. baseball stadium where the uh Oakland stadium is the old Warriors facility was kind of in the same parking lot like out front. Right. And they won a championship there. And guess what? The championship got more fans to come in and more fans came in and said, you know what? This is a little old building that we're playing in. Let's build a new place. So anyway, I, I, I've I, always been of the mindset that you got to spend a little money to make a little money. And I do think that that's probably the biggest hindrance for the Oakland A's. And it's unfortunate that the Oakland fans will not have the ability to go to games in Oakland. And then the last thing I'll say about this, that's funny, um, they, they'll win more than 29 games, by the way. That's how we started this. But the Oakland fans, I remember uh, taking a flight from, are they playing in the Bay Area? Anyway, I was taking a flight from Long Beach to Oakland on a Sunday, and the Raiders had moved back from Los Angeles to Oakland for a couple of years. Oh my gosh, like the whole flight. I sat next to a guy with like shoulder pads and spikes on his shoulders. <laughs> I was like the whole flight, it was a s- Sunday morning flight. The whole flight was Raider fans. And then vice versa. Now that they were playing in LA, it was like you get on an Oakland flight and come back down. So these fans are they're willing to, you know, they're willing to travel, they're willing to support their team and you know, in this world of business, I think we sometimes forget about the fan. That's all, and I, I think you would agree with that when we see the cost and the expense and everything. So, I mean, like you mentioned, that I went to Truist Park this weekend to you know go watch the Astros and, and the Braves play, and that was my first time. I'm trying to make a concerted effort to visit you know some different parks, you know, especially when the Astros are playing, so I can you know just kind of enjoy that. 
And I've only really been to the old Arlington Park to watch the Astros game. And I've been to the uh, to watch the White Sox and Astros uh, a couple times, actually, because uh, my family lives in south side of Chicago. Cellular and, Field and Comiskey Park yeah, and everything that's out yeah. there, right? So being that there might not be an Oakland Athletics, and, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I was a big fan of, you know, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire. So, you know, I that was like one of the other hats I had was an A's hat because I was just iconic in the, you know, late 80s. For sure. But should I attempt to go there just to just to see it i mean just to say hey i was there at one time or so i just like ignore it <laughs> that's a that's a great question mark i you know i'm the i'm of the mindset i'm always when i was playing baseball and obviously didn't make the big leagues but had a lot of experience in spring training and we we traveled all the kind of the the lauded places of spring training even though they've all moved um you know there was dodger town down in uh, Florida, and they've they've now since moved to Arizona. Um, Hohokam Park is where the Cubs kind of had spring training, and we got to play there. But uh, going to Wrigley Field after I finished playing, you know, I know Blummers played in all these stadiums. But man, having a beer and sitting in left field in the bleachers and you know eating peanuts was a great experience. I, I will not compare that to the experience of Oakland, <laughs> but I mean, Oakland's kind of. Um, I mean, it, it's what you would imagine, meaning if you go there, it's just a vast kind of football stadium where they play baseball. But I'm I'm always of the, one of my favorite kind of trying to be humble about things, yes, but one of my favorite kind of feathers in the cap is, you know, I've been to 46 out of 50 states, you know, or 47 out of 50 mm-hmm. states. And, and when somebody says, hey, you know, I had a dinner in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm like, yeah, I've been there. So when somebody has the experience of saying, yeah, Oakland, you know, Fulton County Stadium, the old Oakland Stadium or whatever, you're like, oh yeah, I've been there. I I, I like that. I take pride in the fact that you've kind of experienced all these different things. Um, I would not, and my wife would probably agree with this. I wouldn't, you know, living in Houston, spend $500 to fly out to Oakland. <laughs> the round trip, you know, airfare is probably going to cost you a lot more. But if the Astros are playing there this year and we know that they're not going to play there any longer, it's certainly, I would say it's certainly worth checking out. And if you want to come visit Blummer and myself when they play the Angels, fly out to Oakland, rent a car, drive down, you know, that kind of thing. You could probably pull that off. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to, the beer doesn't taste much better. The peanuts are the same. <laughs> and But I also do think hearing the player, you can hear a lot there. Um, right. And Dr. Wills, who we've had on, Meredith, um, the astrophysicist, she she spends a lot of time at Oakland Stadium uh, where the A's play, and she'll tell you. I mean, you can kind of sit where you want, <laughs> and you can hear a lot. You know, you can hear the ball pop in the glove. You can hear the crack of the bat. That's kind of neat when the crowd isn't drowning out all the sounds. It sounds a little bit like going down to your neighborhood park and hearing a softball game or a little league game. You can kind of hear the chatter and the crack of the bat and all that, so... I don't know. I mean, I guess that's different strokes for different folks, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say don't go, but just, you know, if the airfare is quite expensive, I wouldn't make it I wouldn't <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't make it a, a priority. All right. Well, let's get into a couple of questions here. Yep. Now, being a pitcher, this might be a little different. I don't know if if you've been hit, but the question was, what can you compare being hit by a pitch to for yeah. a fan? You know, I, yeah. I don't know getting no. hit by a 80-something mile per hour pitch or... Oh, I've been hit. I mean, I got hit moving up. I mean, I didn't start just solely pitching until I got into professional baseball. So I've been hit. But I would say the time 
and I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to be able to compare it to, but it had been a long time and we've seen kind of some harrowing experiences as we've, you know, been in this highlight world on ESPN guys getting hit here, you know, kind of ducking, but I was in college aluminum bat and I threw a pitch and I was usually pretty good with my glove, like reactive. I mean, I caught some line drives at my face, you know, dodged some that were coming at you right off the bat. But one particular, I remember being uh, at Sunken Diamond, which is where Stanford plays. I was pitching at Stanford. I don't remember the hitter, but they hit a ball. It was like a skipping line drive. So it was like, I saw the ball, but I couldn't get my glove down. I mean, I mean it was smashed. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I gave up some hard hit balls like every pitcher. <laughs> that thing went off my shin and went, past the first baseline like towards the dugout like so it was like a one hop like right off my shin thankfully it hit the bone but it went i mean it must have gone 50 feet off my shin (laughs) over towards the dugout we had to like hustle over there to keep the guy from going to second base i mean you know the catcher first base and everybody running over there that one hurt a lot and that thing swelled up i mean it looked like i had a golf ball in my shin now This is not tooting my own horn, but I believe I stayed in the game. But, you know, that was that was an achy one for a couple of days. And I think the fact that it hit the bone actually helped. You know, if it hits your calf or it hits your shoulder, your face, obviously, you're not sticking around. But man, that that did not feel good. I don't I'm not good at comparing pain. I'm not because in the moment, you know, you cut your body just kind of reacts. I remember chasing after the ball like, you know, but uh, let's see. What's the pain like? Here's my thought. I always think the anticipation of something happening is worse than it actually happening. So I think when you're getting a shot, right? And you're the doctor when you were a kid and they said, all right, you're going to get vaccinated or the doctor's going to give you a shot here. And the doctor stands there with the needle and they do the <laughs> squirt. That hurts more than that, them actually putting the needle in. I would say the same for this. When that ball is a foot from hitting you, that's where you feel the most pain. <laughs> and I'm, I don't know if uh, hitters would relate to that, but when you think that thing's going to hit you in the rib cage, you know, you really just don't have time to think about it. You know, it's just a reaction or lack of reaction because that ball's coming so fast. So, but I don't remember the pain being, you know, excruciating. It was the thought of the pain right before it hits you that's pretty rough. But, you know, I don't know what would, like, what's the most painful at you being not a high level baseball player? What's the most painful thing you've experienced? Like, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I was, I was in a car wreck once. <laughs> Just a but, car I wreck. Mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't terrible. Compared you know, I mean, to being was, hit by a baseball, Mark, please. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been hit by a racquetball. You know, that's, uh, you know, my, my brother yeah. wasn't, wasn't the best aim. Oh, I got hit with a racquetball and that thing left a yeah. purple dot on my, right. Yeah. I, it rear end. Up for, you know, and my oh, wow. thigh. That was brutal. What what about your thoughts about when you, when you accidentally hit a yeah. hit a batter? You know what what were your, what was going through your head on that? Ooh, like that's a really good point. Going. So accidentally hitting a guy, and this is actually this is where I think the savvy baseball fan and or somebody who's played can pick up on this. That watch the pitcher, and they'll tell you whether they the ball slipped out of their hand or they did it on purpose, <laughs> right? And so, actually, accidentally kind of goes back to my point about the pain before the actual. Like, as soon as that thing leaves your hand, it's heading for the guy. If you're not intentionally aiming for him, you you do that. You flinch yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh no! Like, I've heard people yell, "Look out!" Like, you know, <laughs> like because you just know right away. You know, it only takes yeah. a couple seconds to get to the plate when you're actually trying to hit a guy, and this is what the argument uh, becomes when we talk about the unwritten rules of baseball, you're really just trying to throw the ball kind of at his back hip, at his butt. Mm-hmm. 
And that mm-hmm. way they're taught to turn. And then that's kind of the way to do it, right? The butt is a big muscle. It's the softest area. You know, every once in a while you hit them kind of in the lower back. That's not cool <laughs> or in the leg. But there is kind of that little window from you know, the hip bone down to like the mid thigh and you just kind of throw it there. So I think that's a really good, I mean, it's a good question, but also a good way to tell whether it's intentional. So as a savvy fan, you can kind of see if the pitcher flinches before it gets there, typically the ball just slipped out of his hand or something like that. And then when you're trying to hit somebody, um, yeah, I think those guys know, especially when you're hitting them in the correct spot, it's the anticipation of being hit that hurts more than actually. And you've seen guys do that where guys are throwing at guys, they miss them the first time and hit them the second time. Those guys mm-hmm. just walk down to first base or, you know, talk a little smack. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I've always been that way with pain. I mean, I've been in a minor car accident too, but the car takes most of the brunt there, as you know. So, anticipation yeah. of pain is often worse than the, than the outcome. And that's obviously you know, you and I haven't experienced childbirth or anything else. So I'm not, I don't know if I'm, if I'm authorized or, uh, have the authority <laughs> on, you know, what pain tolerance is. Now, did you ever have any jawing back and forth with a, with a batter? You know, some, they did something, you know, like you said, the unwritten rules or they pimped a, a home run or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mostly in college. And it was very similar to, I would say, tra- uh, trash talk on a baseball, uh, I'm sorry, on a basketball court or a, a football field. When they now, they mic these guys, you can hear them say things. It's it's a crack up because they're like, hey man, you can't guard me. You can't guard me. You know, it was stuff like that. Like, you know, throw that again, meat, that kind of stuff. Like the <laughs> Bull Durham. That was kind of the trash talk. Most of that was in college and pros. Guys are kind of quiet. I did hit a guy. I've t- I think I've told this story before, but I hit a guy accidentally um, on a day game after two night games where there was some contention. Like teams had been worn. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys got hit the night before. And I hit this guy and he was out on the mount. Like, like he charged me right away. There was no smack talk, no shit talk. Like, (laughs) you know, my catcher was chasing him. He was chasing me and we did the tumble on the mound, but that was just overflow from kind of tension between, I didn't, you know, I hit him unintentionally. He took it intentionally and that was, that was it. But the smack talk is very minor in college. It was a lot like, you know, guys trying to, impose their will on other guys or intimidate guys. So it was like, oh yeah, throw that pitch again, man. I'll crush it. You know, stuff like that. You're like, all right, here it is again. Strike three, you know, whatever. But that doesn't go very far. I think baseball, baseball is not conducive to smack talk because it's such a humbling sport. And, And I think you would agree. I mean, if you're a hall of famer and you hit 310, you're, you know, that's six, 69% of the time you're not getting a hit. So you might be hitting the ball hard. You might be walking. You might be doing other productive things. But basically, if you're up there talking smack to the pitcher, the pitcher wins most of those battles. And I know the hitter's fine. They just want to win one out of three or they just want to, you know, win the game and, you know, be able to put a good swing on the ball. But, you know, and it, and it works the same with pitchers, man. You can have a guy's number and strike him out three times and you start talking smack and feeling confident. He hits one over the center field fence and walks the game off. And then guess what? You know, it doesn't, that's my opinion. That's how I handled it. It's like, and that, that kind of goes back to the, how it relates to life. You know this too, man. Some, some days are good. Some days aren't so good. You just got to kind of stay in the middle because, you know, something's going to smack you out of nowhere. And I think that baseball is probably, 
you know, I mean, basketball, even when you have a bad game, the best players, LeBron can have an off night and score 28 with 11 rebounds and five assists. And he might foul out of the game and they say, oh yeah, LeBron had, you know, almost a triple double. It's like, and he might've missed eight shots from three point. He might've had a poor night at the free throw line. Baseball doesn't work like that. Your, your, your margin for error and your margin for success is so much smaller. I just don't think, I just don't think it's conducive to that kind of trash talk. That's what I've been trying. Why do you call it smack talk? Anyway, yeah, <laughs> trash talk, right? It doesn't, and, and I don't know, what do you think as a fan? Like, you can see it, right? In football, when you do the NFL under the helmet or the mic thing, those guys are like, yeah, man, I'm here all day. I'm coming at you all day. It's like, all right, that's fine. That's not really, right? That's not really, it doesn't get your dander up either way, right? Like, as a lineman, right. you're like, okay, keep coming at me. I know you're coming at me. <laughs> like, it doesn't, but baseball is one of those things. You start doing that, and then you're giving guys extra motivation, and we've talked about that with them you know, the scandal, the sign ceiling scandal, like you just got to kind of, you know, put your armor on, stay in your own lane, you know, be confident and, you know, do the right thing, I guess. So it's a long answer right. to a short question, but I do, <laughs> no, no, no. But I do think it's, that's a true, I'm working it out here while we talk, talk, but I do think baseball is not conducive to that. Speaking of like the ebbs and flows, you know, you have, like you said, you have a good day, you have a bad day and the minor leagues, how many games were in a season? Like 150 or? Yeah, like I mean, one, was, was I think it was 145. Yeah. So, so if, if you lose a game, you know, normal, you know, game 30 of the, of the season, what's the locker room like? Is it everybody's quiet or is it just like, hey, we lost this, everybody just keep going? You know, is it, I, yeah. I'm always fascinated by the the ins and outs, you know, the behind the scenes part yeah. of it. So it's like it's a great are, question. Are, are people? I know people are probably not as happy, but is it still kind of just, yeah, you know, what, what's the mood like in there? You know, it's funny. This would actually be a great question, and we can bring it up with Blummer next time. I will say, it all matters, and I've lost games two to one where I was the losing pitcher. I think I told you I got a complete game before, and I was like, oh. I gave up a home run in the bottom of the ninth, but I pitched the whole game. So I got a complete game. I didn't even know it was a complete game loss, two earned runs. I struck out like 10 guys like that. I pitched really well. I was upset at the end of that game. So I do think, and it's very similar in the big leagues too. Once you get into the professional level, college, you're playing less games, 60 games. And, you know, guys are college guys. They have a different mentality. But as you get into the pro game, it is your job. Um, I have two, two thoughts on it. One is it's just out of respect for everybody. And there is that joke like, hey, when we win, like music and the locker room and everything's great and everybody, the food, like we're going to party. Um, I think as you get into pro ball, it's a little more um, subdued than that, meaning a win. Certainly there's music. Certainly guys are more excited and you want to rack up those wins and, and keep them. I think the reason the locker room is quiet, and that goes to your question, minor leagues or big leagues, even in, well, spring training was a little bit different. The reason the locker room's quiet is out of respect for guys that maybe didn't have a good game. That's kind of how it goes. So say it was you know a 10-to-1 game um, and the pitcher gave up seven runs, but you went two for three. Like... It's not, you're not selfish enough to be dancing in front of your locker room. I went two for three with two doubles. Like, I mean, it's just, it's out of respect for the guy. Like, Hey, we're all doing this for a living. We want to, we want to row the boat in the same direction and we want to win together. That guy just gave up seven earned runs and we like him. He's part of our team. We got to pick him up and we got to support him. So the locker room after a loss is certainly quiet. I will say, and this is the caveat and the second point I wanted to make. There's a lot of fake stuff, you know, where guys pretend to be pissed off or disappointed. And it's like, look, I can, 
you know, I could name some players, but we, <laughs> you know, if guys went three for four and you lost 10 to one, you could see how happy they are. You know, they're bubbling over. It's like, no, 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 this is about winning. And then in the minor leagues, it's even more, there's more disparity there because all the, all of us are just trying to get to the big leagues. So it is a little more of a selfish kind of venture. You're like, ooh, ooh, I got to get there. Hey, I went three for four. Like, I don't care. That guy gave up seven runs. He ain't going to the big <laughs> leagues. I'm going. So, I mean, it, it, what you said is is a great question. And I think that's really what goes on behind the scenes. And then the last point that kind of goes to the, we do this out of respect for other people, is we had a, a guy who ended up being a big league pitching coach. He was fine, but there's also an age gap. So I came into professional baseball as a college pitcher. I was 21, almost 22 years old, got drafted and like moved in, you know, playing in low A ball or A ball when I first got drafted with uh, maybe a Dominican pitcher who'd been in pro ball already three or four years. He was 16, 17, 18, 19. Now we're at the same level, but he's got like three years of pro experience, but he's still two years younger. And maybe hasn't had the tutelage that I've had, like the experience. I mean, that's where there's some disparity. And, you know, every once in a while we lose a game, like whatever, 10, nothing. And I'm only speaking from the pitcher's aspect and the pitching coach comes in, you know, it's like a show mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there rolling my eyes, like, you know, 10, nothing. We didn't back one guy off the plate. We're serving up meatball. And they start smashing stuff. Like we got to, they're <laughs> taking food off your table. And you're like, come on, dude. Like, it was a bad game, but he's like, we got to yeah. back some guys off the plate. We got to do our job. And so this turned into like some guy smashing a fungo and like throwing stuff around the locker room. And it was now in hindsight, I'm like, God, that's like, it's a show so that the manager and the hitters know that we're serious about our craft. But it, you know, it ends up being eyewash, you know, it's, it's kind of bullshit. So that part is an interesting, you're asking about behind the scenes. I think, Yes, you'll have a quiet locker room, but there is a little steadiness. If you start going on a four or five game losing streak, that's when I think that's when it really starts to weigh on guys and it starts to be like, all right, we gotta we gotta figure out a way to get a win here because there are these ebbs and flows as we already touched on. Like, do I think the A's are gonna go twenty nine and you know, one thirty? No, they're not. But anyway, it's an interesting point and I think I think now looking back, some of that stuff was just old tradition. We keep talking about these unwritten rules and some of it was show. It's kind of like, meh. You know. All right, last question here. Given the opportunity, would you coach? And how high would you want to get or not want to get? Yeah, so... Again, this is an individual question. I'd love to hear from listeners. Uh, it, I, I think there's some coaches that listen to this podcast and we talk about how baseball relates to life and vice versa. I have coached. I've done, in the off season, I used to do private lessons. Um, I've given lessons to some college pitchers, some high school pitchers kind of on the side. I have no aversion to coaching at all. And I think um, coaching at high school or college would be fun. I will say there's now an interjection of especially where I live, and maybe this is is across the board. If your kid has some potential and they're starting to like feel themselves, parents are like, well, he's got a private pitching coach and a private hitting coach. And it's kind of like, all right, so is he going to play high school baseball? Is he going to listen to me? Or is it like, well, my private coach said that I need to... 
So there is that clash now of what parents expect and this extra training. But I do like coaching and I like the development side. And that goes for my career now, like for sales and real life. So that would be something interesting. I kind of joke because now my kids are still at home. But if Blum, and I'd love to have, if Blum decided like, hey, his kids are all in college or they're out of college and my kids are all out of college and somebody offered him a manager's job or something like that. I would love to be like a bench coach or a pitching coach in the big leagues, mainly because I think I have a lot to offer. I think the development and the skill set is there, but also that would be at the highest level and that would be that would be a lot of fun. So I think people would think that's more pressure, but I think, no, you're you're talking shop with guys that know the craft and coming now from a professional mentality, I think I'd relate well. But I do think it would almost, if I say this on the podcast, I'll never get offered this job. <laughs> it, it would be a time, it would be almost like, it doesn't sound fair, right? In a payroll, like cutthroat business, like a retirement type job. Like when the kids are out of the house and you can travel and eat, sleep and drink baseball. Um, I even think Blum would tell you that. He probably gets paid more to be a broadcaster than a coach. So it would have to be something where let's do this kind of for fun and excitement and see what we can make of it. Not like, so I don't know if that comes out right. Like not a hobby, yeah. like very dead serious about it. This is professional baseball, but I think that would be fun. I do think the high school college level is a little bit dicey because of the clash. Now, I do think having uh, a nice resume, like if I tell people, hey, I played professional baseball for 10 years, this is my level of experience, this is what we do, then maybe you would gain some credibility where you wouldn't have that clash. But I do see it now where like a high school coach got promoted to junior college coach. And now I've talked to a guy recently and he's like, yeah, this kid goes to like private training and private this and he shows up and now there's this like, there's a clash of, of, um, of the minds and that would be really difficult because it's like you know you want to pull out the old vince lombardi like my way or the highway buddy you know like i don't know right. so i don't know what your thoughts are on that but my sports kind of experience is i i played like 10 years of beer league softball that's about yeah. it you didn't need a coach so, <laughs> i was the coach half the time yeah but, you, you set know, the just, lineup <laughs> i did yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, but it was mostly hey can you make it to the game or not right because i had to it's like, you know, we had to get That's 15 funny. people on the team just That's because, funny. I mean, we're all adults and have jobs. and Of course. So it was, it was hard. Well, that's what I always say when I play basketball on Tuesday nights with a group of guys. It's like, hey, we all got to go to work tomorrow. Like, let's not, you know, don't tackle me going in for a layup. You know, it's like, right. all right. So guys are always arguing about that. I just, I guess I'd be curious as to, I mean, you don't have kids either, but it'd be, I'd be curious to know with the, what you see as an outsider in youth sports, because I do think coaching is, an art. My daughter plays club soccer for this guy who does a really good job of keeping the parents at an arm's length, but he's actually, believe it or not, like warm and productive. Like he makes his practices great. The girls enjoy it. They're a good team. All of that is great, but he's not like, Hey parents come here. Let me tell you what's going on. Like he kind of keeps mm -hmm. his distance for a reason. So I, I, you know, the intensity has gone up and Blummer and I've talked about that before, but I, that would be my only kind of asterisk by like, yeah, I'd love to coach high school baseball would be, you know, I mean, when I played, even didn't know I was going to be a professional in high school, we had a guy move into town. His dad bought the team new uniforms and the kid was the starting shortstop. It's like, you still deal with, you know, stuff like right. that. So whatever. But, uh, I did coach one year of uh, high school softball and, and that was about it. We didn't do very well. It was, it was like a freshman team because yeah. it was, 
We just, they had just too many people, and so they right. put a freshman team together when no other schools had freshman right. teams. So we were facing JV. Teams. But but I guess the more the questions around the more, the questions more around intensity. Like, did you get a lot of pushback or yeah. feedback? No, it was it was pretty yeah. So yeah, yeah. really back. It was like rec league, and I've coached a little yeah. bit that way too. I coached some soccer and whatnot. Yeah. Anyway, so um, those are great questions. I hope those answers. I know long winded at times are not uh, horrible answers, but we'd love to, as always on the Bleacher Bumps podcast to hear your thoughts. Um, maybe send some more questions in. We'd like to do some more Q and A. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback from having uh, Enrique Cruz on in terms of the energy and the stories and. Um, we we're probably going to head down that road a little bit and try and get some more guests on our podcast. So we went from having a guest on to now having not even all of the Blums, the Bleacher Blums crew in here. So, um, we're going to try and, you know, kind of mix it up a little bit, I guess, and make it uh, as enjoyable as possible for you guys. But we always will take your questions, some feedback, uh, as I mentioned before, um, you can go to Ram Shirts uh, and or BleacherBlums.com to get any swag from us, but also swag that Ram Shirts sells. I see Mark wearing the baseball y'all hat today. Um, so I do have y'all as part of my lexicon, as I said, because I'm a lazy talker. Um, but we want to give a shout out to military first responders, healthcare workers, teachers. Uh, we do appreciate you been looking at a, a few more military YouTube clips recently and just realizing that the sacrifices that they make and the sacrifices that have been made are just, you know, they they just go without measure typically, but we're really grateful for everything that uh, they have done to provide us the freedom to do this, to hang out on a, a morning or an evening to uh, talk baseball and sports. So um, we greatly appreciate that. And as I have always said, if you're over the age of 45, please don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And we want to give Blummer a big shout out. Happy 50th birthday, buddy. And we'll hope to see you back soon. Happy birthday. Uh, Get after it and believe it. Believe it. Blummer. Hey, I better be getting paid for this cameo, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. I wanted to say happy, happy birthday. I am so thankful, grateful that you are part of my broadcast family, but also just a part of my family and you are in my life. Um, love you and your family so much, but you are always bringing the fun, uh, the jokes. It's just, it's a pleasure to be around you. And so I wanted to send you some love on your birthday. Not that it's a big one or anything, um, but actually it's just the year of Blummer. Let's just go ahead and celebrate it all season long. Hopefully we top it off with another ring and a championship at the end of this, but have a day, have a, have a birthday month, have a year, um, and I'll see you at the ballpark soon. Blummer turning 50 years old. You got to be kidding me, brother. Happy 50th, boss. I hope you have a great day, even though you had to spend it with me in Tampa Bay, but celebrate the rest of the week and enjoy your 50th. Welcome to the club, bro. 50s aren't too shabby. Happy birthday, Dad. Hope you have a great day. Love you and miss you. Mwah. Happy 50th, Dad. I love you so much, and I hope you have a really great birthday. Um, I'm very sad that we can't be with you, but I hope you just have the best day ever, and we will celebrate once you get home. Love you so much, Dad. Mwah. Hi, Dad. It's Ava and Kayla. We just want to say happy birthday. Happy birthday. We love you so much. Mwah. 
Can't wait to see you. Where do I even begin wishing you a happy, happy birthday? My best friend, my partner in crime, um, my better half. I, um, everyone loves you more than they love me, at least in my family. <laughs> and I just want you to know how special you are today and every day. You're such a, um, a blessing, such a godly man. You lead our family um, with such purpose and, um, and love. And I just, I appreciate all the years that we've had. I can't wait for the rest of them. All the memories um, are incredible. You're incredible. And I'm just glad that I get to um, share you with the Bleacher Blums community and the Astros community. And everyone can just see um, what a, a, an awesome human you are, not just a baseball player. Um, you've accomplished so much in this first 50 years, I can't imagine what is going to happen in the next 50. And I just love you so, so much. I hope that you have the best birthday and um, to 50 more, babe. I love you. Mwah.